is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Russia invaded Ukraine nearly three months ago, and there's no end in sight to the fighting. Putin appears focused now on the Donbass region in Ukraine's east, which is home to a number of Russian-backed separatist groups. But as has been the case for much of the war, things aren't going well for Russia. Ukrainian authorities say they recently repelled a Russian attack in the region. Still, things have been extremely difficult for Ukrainians. Journalists trying to work while covering a war fought on their home soil. One of them is Ilya Panamarenko, a defense and security reporter at the Kiev Independent, English-language media outlets in Ukraine. Ilya, it seems like Putin is close to declaring parts of the southeastern part of your country as part of Russia. Well, it's, it's, it's a big question what they want to do about this territory, because, you know, uh, the battle of Ukraine has truly shifted from, you know, the whole territory of Ukraine uh, or the major cities like Kiev or Kharkiv. It's been focused for quite a long time on the eastern part, um, which is called the Donbass, you know, the region of Donbass where these war originally started. So, yeah, it's a big question if Russia you know, can get, can uh, achieve any of its, you know, key goals about this region. Because over, over the these weeks and days of battle, we have uh, Russian goals getting narrowed, narrowed and narrowed. And over the time, they, they started with taking the whole of eastern Ukraine. And now, uh, you know, they seem to be, you know, limiting their gains and limiting their um, goals about this down to, you know, taking some small portions of uh, Donetsk and Luhansk regions still not occupied. So it's a very limited uh, objective compared to what they have now. And it's a very big question if they want and if they have plans of, you know, annexing this, uh, these regions as Russians, as a Russian territory, uh, along with southern um, regions of Ukraine. Or they want this just... Uh, just to seize the whole of these regions and leave it be something like that. Just because, you know, in many ways, uh, their plan got off the rails in many, many ways. So it's not on, on the plan right now. So it's a big question if they can complete all, even these uh, very limited uh, goals that they have right now in eastern Ukraine. Do you think they can get those goals or do you feel that momentum is on Ukraine's side right now? Yeah. Uh, I would say that, you know, it's not just my opinion, but the general opinion of the military and also defense community here in Ukraine is that, you know, the in general, the Ukrainian military is winning the Battle of Donbass, but it comes at an immense price, at, at just an outstanding price in terms of, you know, military casualties and in terms of, you know, destruction in the region. In many ways, it, it happened just because uh, Russia has failed to to actually launch and sustain a very effective and very uh, fast and rapid um, offensive uh, in eastern Ukraine. You know, it's been more than 20 days since they focused uh, solemnly on this region. So and they have not achieved, uh, I would say, even 40% of uh, their minimal goals uh, in, this, in this operation. So it bogs down. They ma- they're making some gains, but, you know, the time is running out and they have run off uh, of any resources and uh, also 
reserves in terms of manpower. So it's not going too well for them. Ilya, what, course, what is you know, it? From the Ukrainian side, it's very hard. Yeah. Ilya, from, from the point of view of, as we mentioned at the outset, uh, you're Ukrainian, you're covering a war in your own country. What is that like for you? Well, uh, it should be noted that we have this war for nearly eight years now. What we have now is the, you know, the, uh, the new stage, the hardest stage. But, you know, we got used to this. Since 2014, we've been covering this war, you know, in, in our own country as Ukraine, as a nation of this country. So with the time, we managed to live with this and get used to this. So to me, as a journalist and as a nation of this country, as a native of, of this war-affected, the worst-affected region of Donbass, it's been forever in my, my head. So it's just part of our life and part of our professional career. So as a journalist, you just learn to... Um, to report, to be honest before your audience, to be serving your community, I mean, the people of Ukraine, uh, for the better of, of these people. So it makes, it, it just uh, becomes your, you know, motivational factor that motivates you uh, into working even harder in uh, to be investing even more strength into this, just because you feel uh, yourself serving, you know, serving a service to community, not just to doing the job. Know, like uh, I also reported from other parts of this planet, uh, from war zones like Congo, Eastern Congo. Of course, I was involved emotionally, involved in the, into you know seeing the toils of of uh, local people. But of course, when it comes to your own country, to your own family, your own home uh, hometown, for instance, in Eastern Ukraine, it takes a lot, a lot of um, effort to stay a journalist. But I would say that uh, the Ukrainian journalistic community are very proud to be you know to be journalists um in the genuine sense of this word even though it's it's about their own homes right Ilya, stay with us we're gonna have much more with you on the other side of a, a quick break and we're back talking about the uh, war in ukraine with us again is uh Ilya panomarenko a defense and security reporter at the kiev independent um where do you think, Ilya, that this is is headed? Because all wars end, or at least most wars, end in some sort of negotiation. And usually, the the you know the the side that wins is the side that calls the shots in how that negotiation is going to go. How do you think this is going to end with your country and and Russia? What sort of negotiation is going to work? You know, uh, I'm always trying to be a bit conservative and very careful about, you know, any predictions of, of any future, because, you know, as the whole history of this war shows, you know, it is so unpredictable and crazy that you, it, it is almost impossible to make any, you know, rational calculations or forecasts about this. But I believe that judging from what we have here on the ground and what we have in terms of you know uh, international support of Ukraine and what we have on the uh, as a result of actual hostilities, I think it's pretty safe to say that you know the fate of this war and the fate of the Ukrainian nation would be decided on the battlefields, um, primarily on the battlefields, and the results on the battlefield will just spell the situation um, for the table of negotiations with Russia. 
so based on what we have seen here in Donbass in terms of, you know, um, hostilities and also Western support, I think what we will be having is the uh, gradual exhaustion of um, Russian forces here in Ukraine because uh, they are pretty limited in terms of their manpower reserves and many other things. And uh, we're going to have Ukrainian military slowly and very painfully and very steadily getting strengthened by the Western, uh, Western, military, uh, Western military support and weapons, particularly the heavy artillery, which is just defining the, the whole picture of, uh, on the battlefield. So slowly and steadily, Ukrainian military would drive the Russian military out of uh, the occupied territories to a certain degree. I believe, as I try to stay careful and conservative, I believe what we're going to have is the uh, is getting back to the status quo of um, of early 2022 um, by the end of this year. So Russia would be simply exhausted and denied of uh, any abilities to go on offensive and go on active war here in Ukraine in many, many ways, thanks to early Ukrainian successes and also thanks to the continuing um, military support from the West and particularly from the U.S., um, the heavy artillery, which is the game changer in this regard. What's it, what's it so like to see... I'm sorry. What's it like to see the commentary from from other parts of the world, though, thousands of miles away, saying, you know, just just give up some of these areas and then get to the table and and, and sign some kind of truce if Russia's okay with that? Because it's easy to say that from thousands of miles away, but it's a different story, of course. When you live there, you fought for it, and you've been invaded. Well, yes, I understand what we're talking about. We just recently had this New York Times um, editorials article saying that basically. Uh, this war is too complicated. Putin is still strong and scary, so it makes no sense to you know to go for full victory of uh, of Ukraine because you know it's not realistic or something like that. So, in other words, Ukraine should you know stay realistic and accept you know demands of Putin. But the problem is you know that this war it's it's a very rare thing in history. It it appears to be so black and white you know, so clear in terms of the good and the bad that and the conditions and the goals of, of Russia in this war and the goals of Ukraine in this war are so opposite and so um, an alternative that, you know, I don't think that we, it's, it's just a choice between giving up on, uh, on your right to exist as a sovereign nation. There can be, you know, like a middle ground or something like that. So obviously, and we see such things, you know, in Ukraine, they are taken very emotionally because everybody understands that we can't stand against Russia by, by ourselves just alone. Uh, no matter how brave and strong our military is, it's, it's, it's very emotional. So it's, it's very, it's, it is always a huge scandal as we see such things in the West, uh, basically saying, I just give up on something um, so like part of your territory um, Ilya, just for the sake of ending this violence. Ilya, yeah. uh, I'm wondering, do you have any uh, updated information on uh, all of those Ukrainian soldiers who uh, ended up leaving the uh, that uh, steel steel factory right, or, or steel uh, mm-hmm. uh, territory in uh, Mariupol 
and are now uh, either in Russia, I suspect, or in Russian-controlled parts Mm -hmm. of eastern Ukraine. Do you have any updated information on how they're being treated and and that sort of thing? Well, uh, the latest news of this hour is that almost all of the soldiers and officers um, at the Azovstal plant, we call it this way, the Azovstal plant, they have been surrendered. They have surrendered to Russia. They have left the premises, uh, and they have been transported to various um, locations in Russia and also the Russian-controlled territory of uh, eastern Ukraine. It's prisons, it's hospitals, jails, um, concentration camps. Uh, you know, the Russian propaganda outlets they have published some of the uh, video footage. Uh, on which uh, Ukrainian service service people they speak for themselves, saying that they have decent, uh, you know, living conditions in in custody. And uh, there's a special thing about all these things is that many of those members of this garrison, the Azovstal garrison or Mariupol garrison, as we call them, they would never simply accept as you know, a just plain uh, surrender at the mercy of Russia. Based on, on what is happening here and based on, on what kind of troops we had in there and their, you know, readiness to fight and actually die and their absolute uh, unwillingness to just give up without a fight, I make it that um, Ukraine and Russia would lots of international mediators and and uh and backers they have uh, they have a sort of a deal that guarantees the life and safety of those people uh and their very probable and possible uh, prisoner exchange uh in the future without this without this strong and very compelling guarantees um and for their life and safety in russian custody i don't think that we, they will simply come out without you know any weapons and uh, decided to you know uh obey to these commands to just come out and give up so there's there's must be some kind of a deal uh so the chances are high that we're going to see them getting back home after some time sooner or later because they would otherwise they would not simply get get up. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't just give up. All right, Ilya Panamarenko, defense and security reporter at the Kiev Independent. Ilya, thanks so much for for speaking with us today. We hope you uh, stay safe. We wish you the best. Russia is claiming to have completely liberated that steel plant in the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. That plant had been the site of intense fighting for weeks, and it was Ukraine's last stronghold in that city. Military analysts say this gives Vladimir Putin a badly needed victory in a war where Russia has not had all that much success. The Ukrainian advisor to Ukraine's uh, President Zelensky compared the battle for the steel plant to the famous battle between 300 Spartans and a much larger Persian army that was in 480 B.C. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.